Girls Gone Wad. This is episode 303. This episode is sponsored by Ned. HelloNed.com. The discount code is GGW. You can support the podcast by supporting this great company. And they're a Colorado company. And we're in Colorado. And we just love the Colorado people. They're amazing people to work with. Their products are wonderful. You can check out the CBD tinctures, the CBD chapstick, and support the podcast along the way. Check out HelloNed.com. Dot com, the discount code GGW. Thank you for choosing Girls Gone Wad to support. We know you have a lot of podcasts to choose from. This week on the show, we have Laura Ligos, the sassy dietitian. She's back. We love Laura. We always have great conversations with her because she keeps it real. We talk all things health and wellness. We kind of get into the diet fads. Of course, you just can't avoid that. There's things that are going to come up that are crazy and obnoxious, and we kind of fall into those traps. So we talk in depth with Laura about how to avoid those traps and what we should look for when we're looking for health and wellness advice. Laura Lagos is the sassy dietitian. Check her out on social media. And here we go with episode 303. I'm going to start with the the top three things that you messaged me. The first one, when I was like, what are the things that people are asking you the most of? Uh, it was, if your diet is stressing you out, you're doing it all wrong. So what do you mean by that? So, uh, so many people are stressing out about what they're eating. And what people don't realize is that your body it takes in stress and it doesn't know where stress is coming from. So a lot of people are like, well, I meditate and I eat gluten-free and I work out three times a week and yada, yada, yada. But they don't realize that the stress coming from them stressing about everything they're eating is also filling their bucket of stress. And if you think about a bucket of water, just like you would stress, after a while, if you put too much water in the bucket, it's going to tip over, it's going to pour out. And so the same thing goes with stress. And so people don't realize, I tell, I probably tell every single one of my clients, I'm like, I am not a miracle worker. If you do not deal with your relationship with food or the stress in your life, I can't fix anything for you. So I just feel like there's this whole like notion and just so much back and forth and so much anger and social media, which is where I feel like I hang out a lot. And it's just like, this way of eating is right. No, this way of eating is right. No, I'm doing keto. No, I'm not doing keto. And it's just like all the stress around food and eating, people don't realize that it wrecks with your body and your digestion. And so it doesn't matter what you're eating. Like if you're eating the most beautiful keto diet that there is, but you're stressing about if it's perfect enough or if it's perfect enough for you, you're probably doing more damage than than not. You might as well go eat McDonald's if it's going to not make you stress out about it, which is sad to say, because I would never tell anyone to go eat McDonald's. But at the same time, like if you want to eat McDonald's once in a while and it's going to work in your life and it's going to make life easier, then stop stressing about it. I have a question. Yeah. I, I question. thought you were raising your hand because you were getting McDonald's. That's <laughs> no. why I was raising my Claire's hand. Claire's raising her hand. <laughs> 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 You're both raising your hand. I'm like, I don't know. I love McDonald's. It makes me feel like crap, but I I still eat it sometimes. <laughs> and I'm just like, I embrace that this is going to make me feel like crap because I love it. <laughs> you could even say I'm loving it. <laughs> Touche. Nailed I'm just, it. I'm just going to mute myself for the rest of the podcast. I just... Just <laughs> can you you have peaked and you can just sit on your bouncy ball. I was gonna say like I hear that, but me two years ago I would have been like, meh, it can't make that much of a difference. Like I get what you're saying, but 
I think people really, 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 because they can't see the tangible stress. They can't like hold it in their hand and be like, this is totally affecting me. They have like, what does that actually look like in their bodies to make them really get it that this isn't a healthy way of, of doing it? So there's a few aspects. The first is that there's a direct line from your gut to your brain. And so a lot of people don't recognize that your brain can control your gut function and vice versa. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people because they're like, but my gut is in my stomach and my brain is in my head. There's no way that they can be connected. But digestion starts before you food even enters into your mouth. And so if we can decrease the amount of stress before eating or even while eating, we will do a better job of actually digesting and absorbing and utilizing the food that we put into ourselves. Um, So what does that look like? There are two different nervous systems in the body. One is a fight or flight response and one is a rest and digest response. So you have to physically be in rest and digest in order to use your food in the appropriate manner or at least have the best shot at doing so because none of us are 100% efficient in absorbing and digesting our food. Um, It's just the way the body works. So if we can get into rest and digest, it means all the blood is shunted to our gut and our gut can do its job. Whereas in fight or flight, if you think about what's needed, like running from a bear, if you poop your pants, like it's not really a big deal, right? Because you need to run away from said bear. Doesn't really matter what's happening in your digestion. It just means that you need to be as fast as possible from running from that bear. I know it's ridiculous to say that, but you know, it's not like, really a matter. I feel like pooping my pants would slow me down personally, but that's okay. <laughs> and that's true. It might. But you don't need anything in your gut. You don't need to be digesting that McDonald's hamburger at that moment. (laughs) Your body is just going to be saying, okay, all blood going to limbs to avert crisis. So a lot of people, like I work with a lot of athletes and a lot of them will complain about like, if you think about runners, like they have runner trots and it's a problem because they're probably trying to fuel their body at the wrong time in a stressed out state when really their body is in a fight or flight mode and they can't actually digest the food at that time. So it really is a physiological issue to put stress on the digestive system. Like you think about a Thanksgiving dinner and most people say that, yeah, they're full, but they're so happy and they're so tired and everything's just wonderful right? We can all get there in our minds. And it's just a wonderful place to be. Um, And there's no chance of running from a bear at that moment because we are so dang relaxed and all the blood is just sitting just right in our stomach doing its job. So that's like rest and digest. Those are the two major nervous systems. And then that's why stressing out while sitting at a dinner table is the worst thing possible. And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it too. You know, if I'm in a new scenario and I'm like, I don't know how this food's going to react. I can tell you right now, if I freak out about it, I'm going to have stomach upset. Whereas if I just say, you know what, I'm having McDonald's because I'm on the road and there's nothing else I can do about it. Great. So maybe I don't feel perfect, but I'll probably do better if I just relax and say it is what it is. And I have to feed myself. So one of the questions that we get probably our one of our most common diet questions at this phase is, okay, this all is well and good to tell me not to stress about my food choices. How do I get to that point? And I, I know that we've kind of talked with you about that a little bit before. And, and the answer is like, well, it depends. What is your relationship with food look like? But what are some things that you have personally done or some of the more effective tools that you do give your clients that you see to be like pretty universal? Like, okay, 
if you, you know, everyone can start here? Um, that's a good question. One is sit down, like sit down and eat your food. Don't stand up and eat. Don't eat in the car. Don't eat at a meeting. Don't eat at your desk at work. If your work is stressful, like sit down and enjoy your meal and really be mindful. That's probably the easiest one for most people to accomplish. Another one, which I'm sure I've said on the show before, is like the whole analogy of like if you were to trip down the stairs, you wouldn't throw yourself down the rest of them. And so it's like I talk to my clients so often. I just talked to one today about it of like she has to go to a few parties in February that she knows about. And in years past, she would have just gone and said, you know, the hell with it. And the rest of the month is shot. Instead, she's going to go to these events, enjoy them. And then the next day, wake up as if nothing happened and go on about her life with no regrets, not thinking about what happened the night before, instead, just moving forward. And that takes time. That takes practice, just like you would, you know, practice running or practice CrossFit or practice anything. It takes practice and having a coach can be super helpful. Um, I have a lot of clients who I tell me, I'm I'm like, just text me, text me that night, text me the next day. Let me know your thoughts, even if they're negative, even if they're not good, I'd rather hear them because then you actually start saying them out loud and you realize how ridiculous they are. Like, oh, well, I ate like crap last night. Yeah, I'm just going to eat like crap today. Saying that out loud, you're like, it's a matter of practice. And like, I think people realize when they say it out loud that how ridiculous it sounds. And only then can they really face it and move past it and realize that there's no point in in rely, basically living in the past and having regrets about what you did last night. Instead, it's about moving forward and really trying to recognize this is your life. You know, there there's no diet that's going to fix your life. You have to create a diet that fits in your life. So as a dietitian, do you feel like the past, you know, five or six years, you've really seen a shift of, I feel like dietitians kind of had this reput- reputation in the past of like, they're going to teach you how to eat right. And now you're kind of like teaching people how to like, let go of the death grip of diets. Talk about that. I kind of get that. So I feel like, so there's this whole like anti-diet dietitian group. I use quotations very lightly on that. And then there's the whole like dietitians that special in diets. And I just, I feel like I've never fit in in the dietitian community because I don't feel like I belong in any camp. Like I do think that all of us have a diet And I wrote about this recently of how your diet is a noun. It's just a part of your life. It's how you eat as opposed to a verb, which is how you restrict or you go on to something just to come off of it. And so um, it is really interesting to watch kind of the dynamic of dietitians change and how like we went, everyone was, you know, food pyramid. Then everyone swung back. Now people are keto and now people are swinging and saying, well, I'm not promoting a diet. And this isn't to knock any dietitian because I definitely know there's ones that listen. And it's more just to say that like, as a dietitian, you should be, in my my opinion, um, an unbiased party. And you should be working with each individual client, making sure that their diet as a noun serves them in their life. And so that's where I fit. I don't feel like I have a title. That's why I'm the sassy dietitian. Like, I don't feel like I am. I'm not plant-based. I'm not keto. I'm not paleo. I'm not anti-diet. And it's hard sometimes to un- to to be in the field because I feel like sometimes we hurt our own profession by being so divided when really we are the unbiased onlookers who are helping the individual for what they need. I think that that's interesting too because like so many people 
they want that type, like they want that box because it seems so much more straightforward. Like they want the dietitian to say, actually, keto is the, the silver bullet or like actually the carnivore diet, even though I still to this day can't figure out how you poop on that diet. Like, <laughs> you know, but like, that's the thing. That's the one. That's what you need. And it, it unfortunately and fortunately is not that easy. And I think that that can be kind of a hard pill to swallow because like you want that easy solution and it's just not out there. Well, I think people think that they're really, even though there is no magic pill, people still think there's a magic pill. That's why people are still buying diet books. That's because one of these days, someone's going to really crack the code, you know, and we're all just going to be whatever. I, I just feel it like- It has been cracked. There's celery juice. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got to get to the celery juice diet. Oh my God. But oh, yeah, like I feel like everyone thinks there's still a magic pill. So there's still- clobbing on to the people who are like, I have the answer or they want, like we talked about last time, they want permission to, from you to say, this is what you need to eat. And when you're kind of saying diet is a noun and here's what it should look like, people are like, that's it. No, give me something that's, you know, going to be the magic pill. That's got to be so frustrating. It's very frustrating, but the people who come to me and are ready to put in the work do the best because they are done with the magic pill. They've tried every magic pill. They've tried every diet or, you know, they've tried one thing and they were on the right path beforehand and now they're swung off and they're so confused and so lost. And that's kind of my goal is to then write them. And it can be so hard as a practitioner to give people like one goal. Like one of my client's goals this week was to keep going from what we did last week. And you know how hard that is to tell someone? Like they want something new and shiny and glittery and fun. And all I'm telling them is you did great. Keep going. And that is kind of what our training is. It's teaching. It's, it's as a practitioner knowing when enough is enough and knowing when they can't handle one more thing. But if they keep going, they're going to find success. And it also takes the right client to be in the right headspace to trust the process because I'm not, I don't get biggest loser results to my clients. Like they're not losing 10 pounds a week. They may, may even gain a pound or two. And it's, they have to put that trust in me knowing that I'm not going to, you know, create this big swing where they're gaining 50 pounds. I'm going to write them first, build up their relationship with food, and then we'll go down the path of figuring out if weight loss is even right for them or, you know, whatever else their goal is. So I think, uh, you know, the, we've had you on the podcast somewhat recently before and a couple of times before that. And the people who have probably listened to us for a while are kind of like, okay, like I kind of get the concept, like diet. And we even talked about, I think we even had an, an episode recently that was called diet and exercise where we talked about like the difference between the verb diet and the noun diet. And so I think people are kind of like, okay, like I get it. You know, there's not a silver bullet. Fine. That is annoying, but I'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> um, and so I'm interested to hear from your own personal perspective, like how has your relationship with food changed even in like the last six months, just knowing that still every single day we are all in, inundated with like drink celery juice, only eat steak. Like even though you might have this very cognitive understanding of what's going on, there's still that emotional component of like, I don't know, could this be the silver bullet? Like, does that still affect you? I would like to think no. I'm sure in some, I mean, I'm human too. Like, I'm sure that it does affect me. I try really hard to not. Like, I will unfollow people that don't serve me. I hang out with people who say 
the things that I want to them to say, not that I'm forcing them, but like I have conversations with my friends all the time. Like even my husband, I'll tell him like, you know, one day he jokingly said, well, I'm going to get the fries. I'll be a fatty. And I'm like, you saying that my husband has a six pack, like he doesn't even have to try. And that's genetics. And so I tell him, I'm like, you saying those things to me then makes me feel like I might have issues because I eat the fries and I don't have a six pack. And so it's like, I work on these relationships all the time. And I think that what I've changed in the past six months is I've, and this has been my whole life, not my whole life, but in my whole life in the last six months, I've spoken up more and I've said what I need from others because I struggle as a very, I'm a very extroverted person, but I'm also very, um, I'm like a people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy and I want to take care of everyone before I take care of myself. And so something that I've been working on is asking people for exactly what I need. And I know you guys love Brene Brown, um, but she had this whole thing of like clear, uh, clear as kind. And I was like, holy crap, that resonates with me because what I struggle with is I'm not clear because I want everyone else to be taken care of. And I figure if I'm not clear, then they'll feel like they had the, they, you know, ran the show and then my, my needs don't matter. And so I've been clearer with what I need. Like from my husband, I need him to not say words like fatty. I need to, you know, not hear him say that him eating a certain way makes him fat because he's never been fat a day since I've known him. Um, and same with my friends too. Like I'm very careful as to what I say around them as well as what they say around me, because I find that, because I'm a very talkative and interactive person, words affect me more than pictures, more than social media, more than just food that I eat. It's what people around me are saying because I take it all in. Um, so that's kind of something that I've changed is just being clear with people of what I need from them, which is really hard for me. It's really hard for me to ask for help and for them to, you know, give me something as opposed to me give them something. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't like, you know, when the cellar juice came to, comes out, I roll my eyes. I would say any of the like magic pills and stuff like I normally just go into the research or I go into where it came from and I say, okay, is this something that's going to be good for me to try so I can help others? Or is this just complete BS or bro science? Um, but nor <laughs> that doesn't normally affect me as much. I mean, I'm sure in some sense it does. If anything, it makes me more salty, but it doesn't normally affect my own personal eating. Um, and I had this conversation actually recently with Noelle on well-fed women. And I was talking about, she asked me about my relationship with food. And I said, you know, I always grew up in a very positive environment around my food. And I, I, I am so thankful now but 10, 20 years ago, I would have no idea that I was thankful for it. But now knowing how affected people are by their past and by what their mom said, what their dad said, what their coaches said, what their friends said growing up, like I have to say that the community that I had around me didn't really affect my food. They never, no one ever told me I was fat. No one ever told me I was skinny. No one ever, or that I can remember, God knows, maybe I was just like head in the clouds, but you know, I had coaches who wanted me to eat to fuel my performance. They never once commented about my body. Um, I never had parents who told me that I couldn't eat or that I should watch my weight or that I should watch what I eat. And I'm thankful for that because I know that a lot of people out there, they had a past where people told them, you know, and I know coaches who I had that never say anything to me, say things to other girls that, you know, oh, you're not eating enough, you're too thin, or oh, you're eating too much, you might want to watch what you're eating. And, you know, that that's really hard. It doesn't go away. It's something that people struggle with their entire life. And so we have to rebuild that relationship with food and with our bodies. I was going to say, how do you do that? How do you rebuild that? 
Um, uh, I know, I know it's a loaded question, but I think like a, a minute ago when I started, you know, asked that question of like, what do you tell people kind of more what I was thinking was that bigger picture, like how, you know, where, if somebody does have that in their past and they're sitting here saying like, yeah, it's all well and good to kind of scoff at the celery juice thing. But like, I do still have that voice in the back of my head of my mom or my coach or my insecure best friend in high school, you know, telling me, are you sure you want to eat that? You know, like where do, where do you start? Get help. I mean, and therapist and dietitian, get a whole crew of people. You know, there's not one person that can fix all of your problems, but if you hire the right people who have your best interests in mind, I think that's where you start because you have to have people to talk to. Mm -hmm. You have to talk it through. If you don't talk it through, then you'll never know how to work through it. And one thing we always like to promote is like, you don't have to have a clinical eating disorder to, you don't have to have a clinical diagnosis of any kind, mental health of any kind to go to a therapist. Life is hard. Just, you know, it's when being it a human a on this earth. Where if you feel like it's really getting in the way of everyday living, then it's, it's really worth talking to someone. And it really doesn't have to be something, look, this is never going to be tied up with a bow. I really don't think, I think we go into things like this. Um, and the reason why we still have these conversations is because it's, it's really painful and people struggle with this and it's never really going to be tied up with a bow. But I think if you can just take it day by day, ask for help, get people on a team and like a treatment team, whether that be through therapy, dietitian, physician, or any combination of that is, is a good start. But I think people just get overwhelmed because it's like, well, this is just never going to go away. It's bigger than I can handle. Or I'm too overwhelmed to even take that first step. It's like, we're here to tell you that just... Just take one tiny little baby step. If that means you're emailing us for resources, we're happy to, to point you in the right direction. But yeah, this is a huge, huge deal. I think people forget. I think, I don't know if it, I think it was Laurie Christine King. I don't know if you guys follow her. She's awesome. Um, she said something this week that resonated. She's like, you're the CEO of your health. And I've had girls come to me who you look at them and they look the picture of health and they have complaints. They have stomach issues. They have skin issues. There's something that's just not right and they don't feel right. And they're being proactive about their health and their doctor turns them down. Their doctor says, well, your blood works fine. You're fine. Move on. And so many just say, okay, fine. They brush it under the rug as opposed to saying, fighting, fighting for it. And I've had about three girls recently that this happened to, all young 20-somethings. We worked through diet and I got them a new physician because I know a physician in the area who doesn't take the stuff lightly. And so it's about finding the people who are in your corner who, even if the blood work doesn't say what it's supposed to say, quote unquote, they're still going to fight and help you work through it. And none of these girls had, you know, outwardly diagnosed issues, but all of them had food intolerances and thyroid issues and, you know, birth control issues. And if the doctor had just listened to them in the first place, you know, their problems could have been solved in a year. 
as opposed to them fighting this five-year battle, which most of them had been, of not wanting to go to the doctor because their doctor wasn't listening to them. Like this one girl literally said, she was like, I hate doctors. And I said, well, I have one more for you to try if you just trust me. And now she loves going to the doctor because the doctor gets it. The doctor, you know, and this is not to hate on doctors. It's same with dietitians, same with therapists, same with anything, you know, a plumber, a, a whatever, dentist. Like you have to be the CEO of your health and your life and you have to fight for your health and no one else is going to do it for you. I promise that. So I recently saw a post and Claire and I kind of briefly discussed this. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on kind of the movement around people saying like, well, not everyone has issues like counting macros or following a healthy diet. Like, what are your thoughts around that piece? Because I get there's always going to be a time and a place for it. It's almost like we have to pick this camp of like, no anti-diet, no diets, like body positivity, or well, then you're just promoting laziness. And I just feel like we're kind of getting caught up in this whirlwind of competition of like, what's the right way again? And we're all talking about the same thing. Like we're all trying exactly. to do the right thing. <laughs> but exactly. it's really interesting to me. I just want to know your, if you have any thoughts on that. That's tough. And that's you know, where working with someone can help you navigate those waters of whether, you know, keto may be the right way for some people. Um, and I actually was at a conference probably since the last time that we talked, and there was a debate of a Hayes dietitian and a weight management doctor. And he put it so eloquently. He was like, I just feel like there's a false dichotomy here. And I was upset because the Hayes dietitian, she just wanted to get her point across and he was saying, you're right, but also I'm right. And if we could just meld them together, everybody wins. And, you know, her argument was, well, there's a whole stigma about weight and weight loss. And I agree, there is a stigma around it. But his argument was some people need to lose weight in order to gain their health. And so there's nothing wrong with losing weight if it's helping you reach your goal and reach your health goals. And to navigate those waters is really hard right now because exactly what you said, Joy, is like it's either one camp or the other. And that's where I feel like I'm in the middle too because I'm like, yeah, it's just all a false dichotomy. Like there is no reason that we can't all get together. Like why can't we all just get along, you know? it's We all want the same result, which is health for others. And that's why I got in the field is I want health for others. You know, obviously I want to be healthy myself, which is why I do the research and why I put in the time, but I want everyone to be healthy. And Yes, I have conversations, difficult conversations with some of my clients who need to lose weight. But what we don't do is we don't say, okay, get on the scale daily and, you know, shame yourself and put yourself, you know, the before and after photos get me all the time because it's like, I know this person needs to lose weight and I know they feel better and I know that I want to promote body positivity, but at the same time, like you are doing more harm than good by now feeling shameful of the body that you put out there and letting other people judge you on if you're healthy or not, which no one else gets to be the judge of that. So I don't know how to navigate it. I don't, I mean, you know, I do it individually, but on like a bigger scale, I don't know what we do. I don't know how to, sh like, sometimes I'm like, I just want to shake everyone and be like, we all want the same thing. Like, well, I think why that's can't what we it all is. get along? I think that's what it is. It's like, we really all want the same thing. So why don't we just, yeah. why don't we put more of that out there instead of being like, well, this is the right way and this is the right way. It's like, we all just want health and wellness. And if that means macro counting for one person, great. If that means the keto diet, great. I think it's just really interesting that I will fully admit I'm kind of afraid of even 
you know, encouraging any type of diet or, or even saying that because I'm like, um, I kind of go towards the camp of like, stay away from diets. But even that's not right either. Because maybe that's fine for some people. And I've even gotten some comments of people being like, well, not everyone has issues with whatever diet. It's just just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean I'm going to have a bad experience. I'm like, you're right. You're totally right. And I think too, like, Joy, what you said, you know, or both of what both of you said, like, we all just want health for ourselves and health for others. Health also is not a fixed value. Being healthy and, and quote unquote wellness has, can have a completely def- different definition from the, you know, I mean, even just between the three of us, I'm sure it looks really different. Exactly. And there's so many metrics of health. Yeah. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately too, is whenever we have conversations, I'm like, in the world that I live in, this is how it looks. I'm speaking from my own personal experience, and that's a very limited view. So I think it's important that we think about people in all sorts of cultures and all walks of life and all shapes and sizes. And so so moving on just a little bit, I kind of want to, I do want to dive into why you think people kind of fall, I know it's the obvious reason, but I really want to hear from you as a dietitian. Like I know the fad diets are just very appealing because it's like a shiny new toy, but what the hell is going on with the celery stuff? Like what did you find in this research about where the F this came from? <laughs> so I found that it takes three times for me to just be like, okay, I'll take care of this. Because I normally get a direct message, a text message, and someone saying it personally to me. Those are like the three avenues that I get information and questions. And so finally, I got someone at my gym saying, you know, what the heck? My sister just said that she went to Trader Joe's and they're out of celery and she freaked out. And I was like, well, what do you mean she freaked out? He's like, yeah, she just freaked out because there was no celery to be had to make her celery juice. And I was like, okay, hold the phone. I was like, let me figure this out and I will come back to you with an answer. I'm like, because my reaction is I just want to like, you know, scream and shout, but I'm like, okay, let me go figure out what this is. Maybe there's some really cool science behind it, which would be great. And then I can tell everyone. And um, then I looked into who was promoting it and his name, I don't even remember his name, but his name that he goes by is the medical medium. And he has no medical background. Oh my God. I have totally heard of this guy. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. He has a podcast. Does he? I don't yes, think I can listen to him. Yes, he has a podcast. He's I called The Medical Medium. And he legit channels health advice. It's like one yeah. of the top 10 podcasts. Stop it. He's literally just making it up. He has no background in science, medicine, nutrition, oh, any of it. His claim to fame from what I have found, and it's hard to find out a lot about this guy, is that he, at five years old, knew his grandmother had lung cancer. And he called it out, five might be, I don't, it's like some young age. He knew that she had lung cancer, said she had lung cancer, and then she did. And now he's been on this whole journey of being able to tell people you know, what their issues are. And so he has like a whole liver cleanse book. And I almost, I almost purchased it. And then I was like, I know I was like, over my dead body, will I give money? But I was like, maybe I'll go to the bookstore and read this. And I was like, no, I can't even waste my time with this. Because here's the issue is that he somehow broke into the scene. And the people who are supporting him, what I could find. Yep, that's him. Anthony William. Just so many red flags. Just everything you're saying is a red flag. Exactly. But that's someone thinking, logically, who's had probably a lot of things thrown at them before and know that it's not the way. And well, even like 
we have a um, a gal, a medium in Denver who like we've had on the podcast who Joy has seen a couple of times. And she has a similar background story of like the way that she first kind of found out that she was a medium was that she at like her in her early teens knew that she had cancer and didn't have any symptoms, but she didn't turn around and say, okay, now I, that gives me like carte blanche to go diagnose other yeah, people. She turned around and said, hospital and start diagnosing yeah, people. Like she, she was like, oh, I have this like cool gift and I'm going to like help people, you know, navigate their lives. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a medical practitioner because, Oh my gosh. So many red flags. Okay. So celery juice guy is bogus is what the hundred percent bogus. And here's the thing that I told people and most people completely went over the ones who are believers went completely past this. They didn't read my whole post and there's a whole post on it on my Instagram. I want to read it. Not now, but finish your story. Yeah. And so the thing is, is that I said, if it, the thing is, it's not dangerous. Drinking celery juice is not dangerous. So if you drink it, and you feel great, keep going. Just know that it's not this miracle cure that's going to cure everything. And if anything, and people argued against me, is that now you're just drinking 32 ounces of water first thing in the morning. Of course you're going to have skin improvement. Like if I drank this whole thing and I have a 32 ounce jar right here of water every morning before I drank my, (laughs) before I drank my coffee, like I probably would notice benefits too. And so I just think people are using this and glorifying something that really is just replacing something else in their life. And it's, if you think about it on a bigger scale, something like this, this is not sustainable. If you're telling everyone that, I mean, look, Trader Joe's ran out of celery. Like I, I honestly, I asked JJ, my husband, I asked him for celery a few weeks ago. This was before I put the post for, I think I was making like a tuna salad and he comes home and he goes, I didn't call you because I knew you were going to think I was stupid, but I couldn't find any celery and I know where the celery is. He's like, so don't go asking me if I didn't know where it was. <laughs> and I was like, that's really weird. I've like, I've never not been able to get celery when I wanted it. And then this whole craze happened. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, there's no celery because everyone's juicing it. It's like, I cannot. And I like, was at, yeah, I was a whole foods and this woman three full on tantrum because the juice bar didn't have celery juice. And there was like celery juice in one of the smoothies. And she was like, well, can't you just give it to me out of that smoothie? And he was like, no, it's like comes pre-packaged in like a blend with cucumber. Like it's not just celery juice. And she was like, beside herself and I'm just sitting there and that was the first time I heard about it I'm sitting there behind her thinking like so water (laughs) exactly exactly and it's like that's where the red flags come to me is when it's affecting people at that level in the fact that they're stressing over not being able to have it there comes back to that whole discussion of stress like this isn't worth it if it's all consuming and it's stressing you out to not have it and and it's also like celery is not a high calorie food. Like just eat the celery. No, it's just yeah, water. Like, okay, so what's the premise? You just drink celery juice all day? Like I don't get it. What's the premise? No, you're supposed to on an empty stomach, you're supposed to wake up and I think it's 32 ounces of celery juice. First off, I mean, this is also like a privileged person ordeal. Like you have to have a juicer to be able to juice celery. I'm not I don't think anyone's going to be able to hang crank celery or celery juice. So you one, you need a juicer, and then two, you need a, to be able to buy enough celery. I think it's an entire stock, like a oh I don't yeah, know what called mm-hmm. yeah, like a, stock, a bunch, a bunch, yeah. <laughs> and then you juice it, and it's I think thirty-two ounces of it, and you drink that on an empty stomach first thing in the morning every day. 
And it's supposedly supposed to help with skin issues with, I don't even know. I stopped reading because I was like, first off, this guy has no credentials to be putting this out there. And some people's argument was, well, I don't need science to tell me what feels good. I said, you're right. You're absolutely right. If something feels good to you, you don't need to have research to tell you to do it. However, if you're going to go out there and be this leader who is telling people what to do, you better have some type of background to back it up. Amen. I'm going to go ahead That's and say thing. placebo. I agree like, with you too. Like if I had a huure if I had a liter of water next to my bed and that's the first thing I did every morning was woke up and drank that, it would probably improve my quality of life. You don't need to always have a research paper to back up something that feels good in your body. But completely agree. If you're out there telling millions of people, this is the magic bullet. And you pretty much, you probably just like woke up one day and was like, hmm, what weird thing this could I the, start? This is the issue. Number 20 in podcasts yeah. in health and wellness. Yeah. Oh, and God. you know like, why? You guys, so... stop falling for this shit. Stop giving him <laughs> so downloads. Think... <laughs> God. Yeah, listen to these girls and stuff. This is way better podcast anyway. Um, so this is something that I have a discussion on a lot to people is that influence does not equal expertise. And that's where we struggle. I mean, look at the whole JLo diet right now. She went, I mean, I have to tell, say like kind of on her side, I don't think she went into this trying to have any influence over others. But the problem is when you have a hundred thousand to a hundred million followers, you have an influence to do harm. What was the diet? And, I didn't even pay attention. Okay. So once again, the three, the three rule, okay. someone texted, <laughs> someone Instagram, someone in person You're, told like me. So I was miracles. Like, Literally, I'm like, okay, if I get all three angles, I have to touch it. I have to talk about it. And uh, one one girl I know, she reached out to me and she goes, okay, I'm just patiently waiting for a sassy rant about this topic. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So JLo decides from the recommendation of her trainer that her and A-Rod should go on this 10-day, no sugar, no carb diet. And Someone who has influence but no expertise is unable to relay the information in the way that she should or the way that I would, I guess maybe I should say. So she's recommending that other people should join her because she's miserable and she wants other people to join her on this 10-day challenge of no sugar, no carbs. But she's eating vegetables and there's carbs in every single vegetable. So you know, you be the, the judge here. So she's inviting really. people to join her. Yeah. And she's challenged people. She challenged, I don't know the women on the Today Show. I'm sorry. Well, Hoda, is that one? Yeah. It's Kathy Lee and Hoda. Okay. Yeah. I think she challenged Hoda. So I think Hoda's doing it with her. She did challenge one girl and I don't know who, I don't know any of these people. She challenged her to it. And the girl basically said back on social media, she's like, no, I love carbs too much. And I was like, I love you. I feel like now you're my favorite person. And I wish I knew her name to give her credit. But, you know, that's the whole influence does not equal expertise, but because they are such a big influence, people will literally listen to anything that they say. And if you go on the medical medium's website, you can't find his credentials, but you bet you can find testimonials from Gwyneth Paltrow, Pharrell Williams, and I forget who the other third one was. And I was like, well, there you go. There you have it. And that's why people are following this so die hard because these people who have influence have convinced them that they need it. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Like- Don't get me started on that. I'm not even going to go there because immediately my mind goes to Tracy Anderson who drives me bonkers. 
She is like the number one hot button for me when it comes to any topic of any kind. Like you just say her name and I'm like, all you have to say is go to Paltrow. And now I'm like already in a rage stroke about Tracy Anderson. Yep. Oh, the worst. Don't take Gwyneth's advice on fitness. So that's unfortunately how a lot of fad diets diets start. Well, she has a podcast too. It's like all these people with the biggest influence are like just telling all lies. It's all lies. (laughs) It makes me so mad. And it's tough because, you know, I mean, you think about JLo and Gwyneth and all these people who have that kind of influence. They also have things made as far as their diet and their exercise. Yeah, they also have like literally millions of dollars to spend on whatever they want, including a personal chef and a personal trainer and a personal Botox yeah. injector. And good on them, man. Like you, yeah. you know, you, you got that. But you know, and my argument is like, I don't pretend I know how to act. Like I can't act. I can't dance. I can't sing. Like those are my expertise. Yeah. I'll do them when no one's watching or when I'm in the comfort of my friends, but I'm not, I'm not going about to go on Instagram stories and sing like, and right. say like, this is my number one hit. Everyone's who's like, I eat food. I can teach you how to eat food. It's like, that's just not yeah. how it goes. Oh my gosh. And that's the issue, right? Everybody eats. And that's why this topic will never die and it'll never go away yeah. it's because we all eat. And so then someone finds something that sticks or works and and a lot of times they want to shout it from the rooftop and they want everyone else to join in. They want this whole group think of eat like me. Okay. Okay. Wait, what, what fad should we start? Let's start a fad. Yeah, let's start a fad. Let's have it be like you wake up every morning and you have to eat, you know how Milano's are measured out in like the little paper, like, totally, um, like muffin cup. cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you wake up, you need to eat at least one cup of Milano's mm-hmm. for better. What's it going to improve? Tricep definition. Great. Ooh. Oh, okay. nailed it. Yeah. Milano's kind of look like a tricep muscle, so it makes sense. They do. That's exactly right. good point, Joy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And the sandwiching is like the med- a metaphor sure. for your tendons. For I was gonna say it's like a metaphor for your self esteem okay. being <laughs> held. So Laura, oh, I mean, seriously, it could be time, a thing. I mean, yeah. that's how ridiculous all this other shit is. I'm all just stores diet, like, are about to be sold out of Milano's. Mark my words. Milano diet. The Milano 2019. diet. Bring it on. And then we can have a retreat in Milan. <laughs> and Done. Eat Milan. Done. See you there. See, marketing. I'm just like, we, we already have the whole brand completely done. Right. And who can we get to push it? Oh. Who has, you know, millions of followers? I mean, that's a good question. We'll have to we'll have to reach out to some we'll people. See if Lindsay Lohan can sponsor her beach house show. I think that would yeah. be perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Champagne and Milano's. Yes, that doesn't sound gross at all. God, that sounds amazing. Actually, <laughs> can we make that work? Can we get yeah. some research on that? Is someone uh, any scientist out there? Okay. All joking aside, I do have a kind of flip this on his head a little bit because we talk a lot about this, and I think we fail to recognize like some people really don't know anything about it. So they're like diet, right? So they're going to be so susceptible to just falling into the trap of following the J Lo's and following the Gwyneths and following. So like, can you just give some like real basic? nutrition information that like you don't have to have a gym membership you don't have to have access to a dietitian what do people just need to look for and what do they need to watch out for with these crazy influencers that are taking over the world and making us sick you should not be getting your nutrition beliefs from the internet I mean, that's hard to say. I say that with a question mark because a few years ago, I would have 100% said said that. But now that I'm on the internet, I'm like, but I'm there and I can give you good advice. But 
that's really hard. I mean, what about the, the eighty twenty rule? Like maybe twenty percent of your information on the internet. Yeah, I like that. Twenty percent internet, eighty percent. Yeah, like you know, and sur- surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. I mean, you know, the first thing I did when I moved to Albany was. I have only been here six years. I, I, I went to a gym. You don't need a gym membership, but that's where I went and I looked for my crew because I wanted to be fit and healthy. And so that's where I wanted to end up. So surrounding yourself with the people who are going to support your decisions and support your health as opposed to, you know, if, if I want to drink more, I'm going to go hang out at the bar. Like that's how I'm going to, you know, encourage that lifestyle. I also think just like, just eat real food. I know that's probably been said and said again, and I'll keep saying it. Like at the end of the day, like you don't have to be perfect with your diet, but just eat real food and guarantee you're going to feel better. I mean, you know, of course, when you drink celery juice, you feel good overeating, you know, I don't know, a donut for breakfast. Like eat food that is ingredients, not food that has ingredients. Focus on that and don't focus on being perfect. Just focus on fueling yourself with good food. I don't, I mean, it's, that's so hard in this day and age. That's where it's so hard. It's like, you can't just disconnect. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it can only do it for so long. Well, you know what I was thinking about? Like, as we were preparing for this episode, I was like, I am falling so much into the trap of getting so much information from social media and Instagram. And I was like, oh man, a lot of the questions that I have are all based on what I see on Instagram. That's kind of effed up. Like I really need to kind of put my focus on what I'm seeing out in the world as opposed to how social media has influenced me. And so all the questions I have are really around social media, Instagram. Yeah, it's the world we live in though. And so that's why, I mean, find things to do. I tell a lot of my clients this is actually a good one is find things to do with others that have absolutely nothing to do with food. And it doesn't mean that food can't be a part of it, but like, you know, even relationships like with your husband or your spouse or your significant other or your friends, like don't make it, you know, I went to a paint and sip the other night with my girlfriends and we didn't, we had our phones out to take pictures of our final product, but we spent two hours just giggling. I mean, none of us are artists. So, you know, normally we're spending time in the gym together, but we didn't have our phones on us. You can't, you got pain everywhere. And if you're me, you've pain on your hands before you even start, which is very confusing. But, you know, finding that activity to do that has nothing to do with food. And one of our good friends, she has food allergies. So like that can be really hard for someone who does have food allergies to to go to food events. So instead, make it about something different. You know, make a book club, make a, you know, a paint and sip night, go for a walk, go to the gym, go to do different things that have absolutely nothing to do with food. Because I think in this day and age, it's like everything has to be centered around food and it doesn't, doesn't at all. I think some would argue though, that that's a way to connect with people. And so how do you balance that piece as well? It's like, I think there, there can be something really sacred and intimate about sharing a meal with your loved ones and people express their love by creating a fantastic meal. That's a good point too. Um, I also tell my clients that if you are going to a food event, cherish moments that have nothing to do with the food or that have nothing to do with you eating the food. Like maybe it's, I had a really good time with my grandma because she makes the best I don't know, pasta. I'm Italian, so I couldn't think of anything else. Or focusing on the great conversation you had over a glass of wine with your cousin that you haven't seen in a while. Like, focus on the experience. Don't focus on the meal and the calories. Because I think what happens is that now people go to, to, you know, if they're counting their macros or whatever, or whatever diet they're doing, they're so focused on the food that it can be really stressful. And oh, it, I it's see no what you're longer saying. enjoyable. I see what you're saying. is like, if it's causing you stress, because I was kind of interpreting it like, 
Well, I think it's okay to focus on food sometimes if it's not like freaking you out. I get what you're yeah, saying. I, like focus on other things if you're really, really stressed over like what you're going to eat. Totally. And I think that's the issue is that any of my clients struggle with it all the time. And I mean, I don't, but I do sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't really want pizza, but everyone's eating pizza. You know? Right. Okay, you know what? I'll have pizza tonight and I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. Like that same thing where I'll like check out the menu before we go somewhere because I'm not familiar with it. And I'm like, who cares? Stop doing that. It's it's fine to kind of like have an idea or be like, do I want to eat at this restaurant? But not like, what can I eat at this restaurant? Like that's exactly, kind of silly, right. you know? Right. What, what am I going to order that has the least amount of calories? Like if you find yourself getting into that trap, then it's time to pull back and, and recognize that exactly like mealtimes with others should be for fun. Like they should be enjoy enjoyment. Yeah. They should be enjoyment. I don't know if that's yeah. the right sense. They should be enjoyment. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the Milano diet. That would be perfection. It sounds like perfection. (laughs) Uh, We've got it. We've got the next thing. We just need a catchy name like the medical medium and then we're set. Oh, my God. I mean, Uh, I feel like the sassy dietitian and the girls got water are pretty catchy. That's true. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Good. We're golden. (laughs) We're done. We We got it. Blow up the (laughs) charts. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Out of control. Okay. So wrapping up, tell us where uh, the listeners can find you, what kind of content you love to post about, your adorable dog. I've been waiting this whole time for your dog to come up. I'm like, are we going to go a whole episode with Joy not even talking about your dog? (laughs) It's going to be a record. We all yeah, made Bodhi, it. Bodhi's Instagram is the sassy dietitian. If you want to see his his daily uh, trot, he has a little prance. He prances through his walk. He's so um, cute. He's like he's crazy. He's absolutely he is, crazy. He's crazy. Um, if anyone else has Wheaton Terriers out there, you know that they are Wheaton Terrors, not Wheaton Terriers. Um, you can find me at the sassydietitian.com. I am working on a ton of recipes. It's just a matter of getting them to actually publish. Um, so if anyone has tips or tricks on that, let me know. And then at the Sassy Dietitian, speaking of Instagram, that's where you can find me. Those are the places I live on the internet. Um, and I also work with a lot of clients remotely as well. So I work with... I work with everyday athletes, um, people who are just looking to fix their relationship with food, their body, and their health. So that's it. That's me and Bodhi. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining us and, you know, for always just being so fun and real to talk to and for not feeling like you have to sit in one camp. We really love that about you and that you have that realistic viewpoint, which I think is rarer and rarer to come by. So we really appreciate that about you and thanks for spending some time with us. Well, thanks. I appreciate you guys. You're my favorite podcast, I have to say. Aww. Oh, you Not say that, that to I everyone. I don't. I don't. Every week. I'm always, I mean, I'm wearing a house coat right now. Can we talk about that? You okay. know what? That's I fair. do have a house coat and I had it on for our interview with Will Lanier from the Outwad and it was just, it's, I didn't wear it because it's a little too hot right now in this room, but it's, it's rivals that one. <laughs> Very fluffy. Very fluffy. Next time. 